Welcome to Hard Truths by Vertex Female Leader Series. This March, in honor of International Women's Day, we have invited a few of our accomplished female leaders and their investment managers to share inspirational stories of starting up, following their passion, and overcoming the odds. Tune in to gain valuable industry insights, practical wisdoms, and hard truths. Hi, I'm Elise Tan, and I'm your host for this episode of Hard Truth by Vertex Podcast. Today, I'm really happy to have Kush and Paulina Pronomowati on the show today. Hi, Kush. Hi, Paulina. Hi, Elise. Hello. Hi, Elise. In the spirit of International Women's Day, we're going to have a special three-way conversation to discuss about content creation, influencer marketing, and life. So let me first introduce um, Paulina, who is our guest on the show. Paulina is an early employee and a CMO at TipTip. Tip. Prior to this, she is the VP of Corporate Development and Strategy at Evolve MMA. One interesting note, she is the sole Indonesian representative and top five finalist in the Apprentice One Championship Edition in 2021. Kush is my colleague and associate director She's part of the key investment team that invested into TipTip. We'll ask her more about that later. So, hi Kush, hi Paulina, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Ali? Good. I'm excited for you know this whole month of International Women's Day. So I can't wait to hear more about uh, you and also from Kush as well. So, Kush and Paulina, you know, do you know who found who first? How did we discover Tip Tip? Thanks for that. Very, very happy to be here. And uh, who found who first? Yeah, I think we've been always in touch with Albert Lucius, uh, who is the CEO and founder of Tip Tip. Um, since uh, our investment into Grab, uh, for those who are not aware, Vertex was a Series A investor of Grab. And Albert was part of Kudo that was eventually acquired by Grab. So, you know, when we got the news that he was starting something in the creator economy space in Indonesia, um, we definitely wanted to be, you know, a part of it and get the opportunity to work with himself and his incredible team, including Paulina here. Paulina, how did you, when did you first meet Kush or anyone on Vertex team? Um, I think I met Kush once in, in, in one of our meetings. First, it's online meetings. And then um, I just met Kush, I think. Two weeks ago, we have a Valentine's Day with the investors. <laughs> yeah. And what's your first impression of each other? She's a very bubbly and one of the brightest CMOs I've met in the past. Um, I think she's very passionate and enthusiastic about her role, um, especially dealing with a lot of creative minds in the industry, right? Uh, she is no less. And yeah, we just bonded and clicked during our, our first meetup. The word investors sort of like in some some kind of a level of intimidations to us. <laughs> There's no secret to everyone, right? But when I met Rose and then I spoke to her, it's just so, how do I say, it's so fluid and, and Chrissy is such a friendly person and like, what well, the also bubbly person. So uh, and right away we clicked, at least that's from my end. <laughs> you know, uh, that's what I, yeah, that's my first impression. So push, uh, yeah. That's really nice to hear. Paulina, would you like to tell us more about TipTip? Sure. So TipTip is a marketplace for digital content. So basically, it connects creators and their supporters not only to share and monetize their activities, so digital contents, 
live sessions, even offline sessions uh, and more to their uh, supporters, but also to engage. So it's a it's a two parties or even third parties uh, platform for creators to engage with supporters and monetize their activities. But at the same time, create supporters can also engage with the creators and promote as an affiliate to creators' contents and make money as well. So it's like a win-win platform for all these two uh, entities, creators and supporters. That's in a nutshell. How has the journey been like? You know, I think we invested last year. As a startup in a very early stage, it's never been easy, right? Like the idea is there, but then we'll put one, we put one and then we learn a lot about it and then we have to improve the product market shit. But the more I spoke to creators, the more I spoke, spoke to supporters, the more we know what they need. So it's not so much only about sharing and monetizing their contents for creators, but also to engage and connect with supporters. And likewise. So what we know is that supporters, yes, they would like to consume digital contents, events, live sessions, anything that, but they also want to engage. And one thing about Indonesia is that Indonesia is a very social market. Mm. Um, it's just by culture we're very social we'd like to meet each other we love to eat together so when social media is here it's crazy right now we're about 280 million population in indonesia and i think the for social media the penetrations is about um 191 million instagram facebook youtube all of them have about roughly 100 million users in indonesia alone but that wow. shows the culture so um, that's where like tip tip, we feel like you cannot just monetize for creators. You cannot just monetize if you don't engage. So these kind of features, we started to edit more and more because we know this only after we launch and then we hear them, we see them and then, oh, actually they also want to stop with creators. So things is good, but not as easy. So yeah. So again, like what you said, yeah, it's, it's, it's never been an easy journey, but it's for me personally, it's very exciting. It's very mind opening you know because i think we also have the first mover advantage here when people ask who is your competitor in indonesia you know i i literally can't say one because there's none that is literally the same business model class. at the same time you you have that power first mover advantage but at the same time you have to educate the market what you're doing so that is also not easy Yes, it sounds super interesting, especially because Indonesia is a country with so many pe uh, people who are on social media platforms. So, um, and this brings me to Kush. You know, Kush, can you tell us how did we develop the thesis and then uh, discover Tip Tip? Um, sure. I think there has been uh, quite a bit of activity happening in the in the creator economy space and. Uh, it I think boils down to two main reasons. Uh, number one is I think the market itself is very sizable and it's structurally growing, right, in Southeast Asia, right? I think currently the market is about 2.2 billion uh, as of 2022. And in five years time, I think it's poised to grow to about 68.3 billion. More revenue streams are added. Uh, it could be freemium, it could be through tipping or it could be through brand partnerships as well. And the second point uh, is obviously the rise of influencer marketing itself. I think Influencer marketing has seen a tremendous, tremendous growth in the past few years, mainly driven by an increase in uh, overall content consumption and also accelerated by COVID-19, obviously. And obviously, in Indonesia, I think Paulina mentioned that, you know, Indonesia is one of the most social countries. We have about 
78% social media penetration or about 191 million users on social media. A lot of people in in the younger generation, and I speak this uh, based on personal experience with my nieces, nephews as well, a lot of them want to become gig workers and online creators as opposed to, you know, becoming a full-time workers or a consultant or a banker. And obviously al- along these lines, like Southeast Asia is points to have about over 2 million influencers by 2027 across various platforms, paving way for um, high engagement platforms to not only exist, but also enable creators to monetize. Um, so that's more on, on the market. Now, why did we select TipTip? Um, I think they are very well positioned in Indonesia to, to obviously capitalize on this, on this favorable, uh, sizable market, right? Uh, like Paulina mentioned, there's barely any competitor uh, if you if you think about it, that's doing something exactly uh, the same as as TipTip. Another thing is um, TipTip's approach is highly highly localized. They plan to start in Indonesia, and obviously they can expand to Southeast Asia. But offering this localized solution, connecting creators, promoters, supporters, and having a community driven approach is something that that we really like. Um, in this very nascent and still fragmented industry. So I think they, they stand a good chance. I think TIPT has definitely been doing really well. So Paulina, you know, you are an, an early employee at TIPT. I'm just wondering if you can share how did you discover TIPT and how did you, you know, decide to join TIPT? This is going to be a very interesting story, by the way. <laughs> Before TIPT world, um, I was always in fashion retail or fashion and beauty retails from FMCG and then I go up to luxury brands and then I go up to more of like a fast fashion brands and a majority in Indonesia. So uh, when, the, when I got a chance to join The Apprentice, I, I literally quit my job. I jumped in and then after I came back from The Apprentice, I became a CCO, Chief Commercial Officer of um, FNB chain in Indonesia. And then Chatri called me. Uh, Chatri is the host of The Apprentice. So he called me and, hey, by the way, how are you? Da, 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 da. And then he offered me a job in Singapore. So that's how then I moved to Singapore and work for one of his company in Evolve MMA as a VP of um, uh, business development, basically. So um, I think it's only about like a year I've worked with Chatri. And then I got this direct message in LinkedIn from Albert Lucius. <laughs> hey, I watched The Apprentice. Da, 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 da. We're looking for CMO. Are you interested? So I, the, my first reaction was, hmm. and then I told him, like, let's just meet first. So I met him and then I talked a lot. I asked a lot and I really get the, you know, I really want to know and get to the idea of what is, what's the business model? Where are we going? What's the visions, et cetera, et cetera. And then I get to meet the other sea uh, levels and it's just a very easy decision for me to say yes. It's a crossing between gut feelings, but also like seeing how future is going to be. Because even before The Apprentice, when I was still in Indonesia, and I had this in my head that I've been in retail for so long, but I think what I need to understand more and like immerse myself fully is in technology. It's in like digital, because that, you know, obviously that's where we're going through, right? Or, or towards. So when this comes in, and especially TipTip is all about content creations and content creators, that's something that's not so alien to me. I've been working with a lot of them, them, right? As because I've been working with brands. So in the past few years, content creators and especially influencers is a key instrument for marketing. So I've been working with a lot of them. So I know how is it from the brand side and from the from their side. And then obviously, particularly after the apprentice, then I know the side from the creators. 
alone too. So when this comes in, it really just like a puzzle click and it's so and it's an easy yes to to Albert that then uh, for the challenge. I would say the challenge because it was very early stage and you know like we haven't really so gone gone far into like what the strategy of the product gonna be, etc. So that's how I was actually, you know, come across with Tip Tip and finally like be in Tip Tip. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I look at the kind of marketing you have done. It's, it's um, really super interesting. I'm going to ask you more about Apprentice uh, experience <laughs> okay. uh, later on. Okay, but for now, I'm going to ask you, you know, what have been the hard truths that you experienced being the CMO at Tip Tip for you know, the past year? Okay, Um there's several levels, but I think what I would like to put out first as a hard truth is that when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, you have an idea in your head, like, okay, this is the business model. This is going to work, right? And then you put the products out, you test it with the market in a smaller scope, and then you learn. You learn meaning like, oh, yes, but not so much that, you know, so you have to add something more. Right. And then you try it again to a bigger market. Yes, they grasp more, but not yet there. So I think this is the same with all entrepreneurial experience or business model. So startup is one of them. It's just one of them. Right. Especially when you're creating something that is not yet there, out there. So it, it literally putting like for me as a CMO, it's not just about, okay, how do I market this? No, like you really have to think about not only how to market this, how to sell this, how to acquire creators and supporters, but also how do you grow and, and build the platform to really suit them, to really like cure their problems. What are their problems? You really have to do both, like listening and then adapting and then doing it, you know? So that is the hard truth of it. Like when you start something, you felt like you know it, Yes, you know it, but it's probably only 20% of what you should know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Um, for our previous episode, we have been speaking to many founders as well as investors. So it's really refreshing hearing from you because you are the first you know, C-suite um, guest that we have on our show. And uh, I see that because you are in a very early stage of the company building, you are like an owner. You know, in our previous conversation, we also talk a lot about how... Uh, you, you went to get your MBA in the US. I think as female, we are kind of a different breed compared to maybe the Western world. Um, and I think you mentioned that when you are in the one championship, you felt it really strongly. So what kind of advice would you have for women leaders? Well, I think um, it's not only being uh, probably female, but also uh, Asian culture tends to be less outspoken uh, as opposed to the Western. I think it's just by culture, again, by culture, but it's going to different, you know, it's going to be different in between uh, uh, individuals because how you're being brought up to what probably difference. So, but um, in my experience in The Apprentice and, and, and during my first years of MBA as well, uh, being an Asian student and female, I remember I have to really have my my force from inside to speak. Like I think for female and especially Asian female, you have to really be very confident, you know, like even before you say, right? Like, um, and then, so I think majority of people would have this bubble thought in their heads before they speak, if you're a female and if you're an Asian female, right? It's like, uh, should I say this? Is it right to say? Like, uh, w will it be embarrassing? Is it, go is it good? Is it necessary? And that thing's like, you know, like it's in your head. If I can say a tip, it's like, first, 
I did this to myself. So I tried to build my confidence first in my own level, not see myself as a female or as an Asian. No, like I tried to strip all of off, you know, like it's just like I have a thinking and we're all human, right? Um, and I just have to say it. So I just tried to rip that off. And I think that for me, it, it helps. But a lot of people ask me, but how? It's not that easy. And sometimes things can be very intimidating, especially if you're in a business, you know, like setting and you're talking to directors, you're talking to uh, investors, right? That can be very intimidating. So for me, I think the first way to go is like doing it casually. So, you know, I, I uh, from my early times, I tried to talk to more um, like international people or like people in a very different background of me. So I tried to be confident for me in that setting. So when it's needed to speak in that more like formal setting, so at least I conquered my own, uh, you know, like fear of being confident and that really, really helps. Yes, I think that is the most thing that a lot of female, especially Asian female, uh, think is, sh should I speak? And, you know, oh, by the way, my boss is here. Oh, by the way, you know, I, I'm the only female in the room. Um, so there's that. And what I can say to, to us is that sometimes it's just in our head. Yeah, that's very true. And I like that you mentioned how we actually have artificial limits on, on who we are or who we should be. And, and sometimes it's really in our head, you know, it, it's so important to know that we are enough and that um, we have something valuable to share. And I want to also direct the question to Kush because um, Kush, you know, you have um, studied overseas and I'm sure you have seen many different cultures. So what, what would you advise, you know, for, Females who want to become leaders, you know, top of their uh, arena. Um, I think I'm myself and I'm a minority in Indonesia, right? I am actually Indian Indonesian, and um, it's not very easy for us to penetrate into the workforce uh, over here. Uh, I think I've been lucky enough to, you know, uh, study overseas. I studied in Singapore, Canada, came back, and eventually got a job in banking. I think one thing that you need to do is obviously be very persistent come with a very confident demeanor as well where you try to achieve the stars because if you don't jump that high you will not even know where you can you can hit right eventually so always aim for the best and never feel pressured by a lot of same men around you uh, I think what really helps in Indonesia is also the community aspect um, there's a lot of uh, women community and accelerator programs that are very female focused that basically gives you the tips and tools to basically, um, you know, make it to, to the next step or, or progress forward. I think this is something that uh, is, is very incredible. And I myself, I'm a part of a few of these communities where um, I participate and try to give back as a, as a mentor, as a speaker uh, for all the womanpreneurs out there, right? So I think that with the support, with a strong support system, I think in Indonesia, a lot of uh, women are able to break barriers uh, going forward. And obviously, you just have to be very confident, like Paulina mentioned, and uh, do not limit yourself. I love that, you know, how both of you 
<clears throat> not only overcome uh, barriers or the odds in what you're doing, but also help to mentor other women. I may revisit this afterwards, but now I want to kind of change the gear a bit. So, so Paulina, I mentioned that uh, I'm going to ask you about your experience at Apprentice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is very interesting because I don't think any of us <laughs> in our world, whether across our portfolio or investment team, have the chance to be a top five finalist in uh, such a widely worn, you know, show. Tell us about your experience and uh, actually what are the hard truths? Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> it's a very humbling experience, I would say, because um, I think the challenge is not merely the challenges of the show. Like, it's not literally only the business challenge or the physical challenge. Of course, that's that, but... I think in my experience is that you have been working in, in a very long setting as a leader, for example, and in an area that you already very comfortable with and, you know, all the metrics, you know, all the drills, right? And suddenly it's, you just put in, into the situations with a group of strangers, which everyone is climbing to, the, to be the leader. So you have to earn your respect. You have to earn that. Whereas in a setting of a company, if you're given a title, then your team will have to listen to you, right? Here is not. And so that's one. That's already hard. And then on top of that, these people, 16 of us, comes from a very different background. And it's chosen by, by default like that. So very different cultural background, personalities, and then background of um, uh, expertise as well. I was in a team with people that have a very different kind of thinking. So the thing that you can easily uh, normally say like, okay, let's go A, because you know, A is the right thing. Now you have to explain to them why A, you know? <laughs> so it's very success as a trustful, but um, it's very humbling because for me, like um, when you're already at that stage of level uh, in, in working in a companies or, or your background, you have a certain level of ego that you think you know everything or like you know how to run things, basically, right? Now, being in that uh, different situations, I really have to humble down and, and listen because not, of, not all of the uh, business challenge is on my expertise, right? And it's by default uh, designed to be like, so we have to take turns, right? And not only that... I'm, I'm, um, I was in a team with people that probably half of my age, you know, so age gap also makes it even difficult, more difficult. So all of this really um, an experience that for me right now is mind opening. So if people ask me, like, would you do it again? Maybe not. It's just <laughs> literally like a lot of us have PTSD <laughs> after the show. Literally, literally, like we have a PTSD after because it's it's not only that, it's, a, you know, like the, the physical, physical challenge that you have to wake up every day at 5 a.m., you, you sleep at 2 a.m., literally don't sleep for two months. So it's, it's really like pressing you down, you know, like, like you're being stretched super, super, super thin. And that's also the moment when you know yourself, you know. So um, I learned a lot and there's a lot that I can take out from it, even for business. Wow, I can't imagine. And I don't know if I can uh, put myself through that. <laughs> but uh, when you were sharing, it really makes me rem uh, recall the, the phrase, uh, whatever you know, didn't break you, make you stronger. Yes, so I think yes, yes, you really yes. embodies that. So earlier on, uh, both of you have shared how uh, Indonesia is a social country and uh, we see it so distinctly from the other parts of Southeast Asia and India as well. I want to understand... Um, Maybe an easy one, a quick one is, 
what are some of the customer stories that you have actually gone through? I think for you, Paulina, uh, yeah. during your time at Tip Tip. We have a lot of a different kinds of creators. And that's, uh, I mean, that's what we want, right? We're not mm-hmm. only aiming for influencers or the creators that already been known and, you know, like uh, been endorsed. But we're opening our doors to pretty much everyone that can have a quality content. And um, in my early days in Tip Tip, there's this one female. Um, she's, I think, in her uh, 40-something. And she's just a regular person, not an influencer. But she knows a lot about her thing, which is, I think, back then, it was she was talking about how do you do social media for ibu-ibu. In Indonesia, we call it ibu-ibu. So it's like for, for the, you know, like, not for the youngs, you know. So she's just doing that. And then um, she's doing it to her own network. So I think in her first month doing this, and she was very passionate about this, I think she earned about $4 million in a month. And she, this is no influencer. Like, this is Oh, oh sorry, $4 million rupiah. <laughs> so it's about um, probably like wow. $380 or, yeah. Yeah. And this is from someone that um, it's no influencers. And if you're doing, if you're sharing what you're sharing in in the um, uh, uh, regular social media, the one that can make money from the big names is only when you are having a lot of engagement followers, you got endorsed by brands, or the platform pays you because of the engagement. And there's no way this, this lady can do it in that social media's platform. So with this, and she got like four 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 million or like two hundred three hundred and eighty sing dollar. It's I remember like she's posting in her in her social media like oh my god I get my four million out of tip tip and it's for me striking my head like oh wow you know like like there's no way this person can make that much of money in the normal social media and that's what this is all about and more and more to come but now this is another set there's there's a group they're famous but not so like nationwide famous so they have a a show they have an audio show podcast and spotify for free right and they already have followings but it's it's free right in spotify it's free so then uh they started they they tested they do a video version of this and they sell it in tip tip and they do it religiously every week before they put the audio version free in Spotify. And they actually make money every show. Like every show, they get several millions rupiah again. So for them again, they were like, oh, wow. You know, like, um, so this is just more and more and more showing me that, you know, being very, very honestly, a lot of people challenge me. Why people pay, right? Like there's a lot of free contents in YouTube and Instagram and so forth. Why people want to pay? People pay off, you know, I, I, I see this. <laughs> so I think the key literally is just for the creators. You really have, just have to focus on, you know, who is your supporters or what is your strength to share? And then you build it into a content. Yeah, so I think going back to Kush. So Kush, recently you mentioned about how Tip Tip has been able to pivot the strategy and find an even better product market fit. So tell us more about that. Sure. Um, I think with any seed stage company, Mind you, TipTip is a fairly young company. Um, They are bound to uh, iterate uh, to find the correct product market fit or playbook, as you you mentioned. Some companies discover this early on in ideation stage. Some companies find out a little later, right? After a few trial runs, A-B testing, and also pilot projects. So in terms of TipTip, 
obviously the core mission and vision still remain the same. It's centered around how creators can monetize. Um, and obviously flywheel effects started to be seen with creators, promoters and supporters coming coming into play. Um, but they've always kept their core mission of monet monetization uh, fairly intact, I would say. It's just the strategy on how they can, you know, scale quicker changed. And I want to applaud the team actually because because of their data-driven decisions, they were able to iterate and pivot rather quickly um, in a few months' time to identify that correct recipe or playbook to be able to scale further. And like I mentioned, in today's climate, um, it's not very easy to fundraise. And obviously, a lot of startups or companies have the pressure from investors to deliver results and performance. And I'm very proud to say that I think TipTip has been able to hit that milestone fairly early. And yeah, hopefully the growth trajectory continues to, to you know, play out. Yeah, so back to you, Paulina. I, it is um, interesting how any content can be uh, marketed and monetized. So would you think that anyone can be a content marketer or influencer? Um, if they want, they can. But unfortunately, today is not everyone. So, I mean, that's a hard truth. Because again, um, because of the free social media, now a lot of people, especially I'm talking about particular Indonesian market, um, is educated that if you want to make money in, in that world, then you have to go viral, right? It's about engagement again. So now people, virality is not so much of the quality of the content, but, you know, sometimes anything that's crazy can become viral. And usually the ones that's crazy and nonsense become viral, right? And I, I've been hearing a lot of, you know, like sad stories about this. Um, I don't know if you if you, you guys know, like, for example, there's news that there's these kids in, uh, in the, you know, uh, suburban area. They try to hit themselves with a truck just to get an um, engagement. And some of them actually died. And then there's another, yeah, and then there's another stories where, um, so, uh, uh, you know, like um, a person bathes in, in, in the muddy water and it becomes viral. People want to see that, but, but people will not pay for that. So to go back to your question, I think if the person, and this can be anyone, have something to share that they know of, it's their expertise or strength, and they know how to share it, you have to know how to, you know, record yourself, how to share, etc., but again, we make it easy by, by the way, it doesn't have to be video. It can also be, you know, in a deck. So as long as you know that and you have that, then anyone can. Yeah. So I think that's the answer. Like, it's not for everyone like if our perceptions of content today in social medias, but if anyone, any, literally anyone can use that formula that I just mentioned, then yes, it can be for anyone. Hmm. Interesting. And um, I'm just wondering, um, you know, it sounds cliche, but you have three tips for excelling on tip tip. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Three tips for tip tip. So one, know your strength. So you know what to make or build in the content. Two, uh, understand what productions that works for you that is sellable for the consumer. And number three, do self effort Like think of it. As an entrepreneur, it, you know, like we, we use the word cre creepreneur, you know, mm. so do not rely on 
the platform to boost you. We can always boost you. But by data, when you boost it yourself, the, the, the result is always much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you mentioned about boosting, right? So can you tell us a bit more, you know, how that is done? How do you help with the discovery part? So um, obviously in our homepage, we would showcase a theme that um, we see by data that people are interested more, or there's a seasonality of that. So for example, last month, we bring up comics because we are at that month, particular month, we're aiming uh, creators from a comic industry. So that is one strategy. But um, the more evergreen strategy is that we try to showcase a good selling or a fast moving contents in our homepage, not only to help them sell, but it actually gives example for the new creators to build their own. So that's the, you know, like, uh, and then, of course, we do digital ads, right? It's very mm-hmm. basic. So it's just when we're doing digital ads and it's directing to that, the conversions level is higher. So that's what I meant by boosting. So, you know, yeah, first we sort of like do a handpick or like data pick on which one that would have a higher conversions and then we boost them with our ads. So as opposed to just run a generic ads, we would, you know, go tailor into that, which we find it works better. Yeah, I see how your experience, previous experience is translating, you know, to to um, doing well in your role as CMO at TipTip. Thank you so much, uh, both of you, for sharing you know tips for female founders and leaders, as well as the interesting um, tidbits about influencer marketing, content creation, as well as uh, customer stories at TipTip. So, Paulina, before we end the show, uh, tell us what's going to happen next on TipTip. Okay, so this two quarter or uh, six months will be a very interesting month for us because actually. We're adding more and more uh, features and offerings in the platform for creators and supporters. And one of the key things that we're going to launch in Q2 is uh, creator subscriptions. So what I mentioned in this discussions earlier, it's all a la carte selling, meaning like one content, then you buy, right? Like uh, you buy one content. Now, um, the more we research both creator and supporters, the appetite of subscriptions to a creator is high. So that's why in Q2, that will be our big, you know, like a big, big uh, launch or additional features that we have that creators now can sell their own subscription. So let's say I'm a creator, so people can subscribe to Paulina for whatever I'm sharing. And this goes both way for supporters. We find that by our research that they see a, a better value of money on that when you pay subscriptions as opposed to just one. But from the creator side as well, the challenge with selling one is that producing a long uh, content is apparently not easy for everyone. And for consumer or supporter, if they want to buy, they want it long. You know, they want it long. So when you do a subscription, that breaks that. So you literally just, for creators, you usually just can do, if it's a video, just a five minutes video, but you just have to make sure that in a week time, you probably like post three, five minutes for you, which is easier to do. Right now, people are already doing it, you know, anywhere else. So that breaks those two uh, obstacles. So we're very excited to that. And we've been testing it um, to several potentials of creators and supporters. And both sides were like very excited about that. Any last word, Kush? 
Yeah, I actually want to thank Paulina for making the time um, to, you know, be part of our Heart Truth series. We are thankful that you have uh, Vertex uh, alongside your journey to to building Tip Tip, and we continue to work together um, to to ensure you guys hit more, more, and more milestones ahead. I thank you, thank you so much, Christian Ellis, for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Before we close, do remember to check out the podcast notes via the link in the episode description. We have for you the entire episode transcript, bite-sized summaries, and a wealth of other resources and content that we're sure you'll love. Also, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do spread the word and give us a thumbs up. It would help others find the show and mean a lot to us. Thank you for joining us. This is Hot Truths by Vertex. See you next time.